All right. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Michael Zoll. I'm the principal software engineer at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. Uh, I've been doing software development for about 20 years. I've worked in a variety of industries. Right now, I'm focused on medical education technology um, and been working with emerging technologies such as natural language processing, chatbots, and other technologies. Great. And you are also a Microsoft MVP? That is correct. I was uh, awarded the Microsoft MVP status in October of 2017, and I remain a, a Microsoft valued professional today. Do you know some use cases for chatbots? Sure. I mean, one of the use cases that actually comes to mind, and it was kind of an interesting story, was that um, I was having lunch with my family at a restaurant, and there was a beer store next door. And uh, I wanted to know if they had a certain type of beer. And instead of calling them, I decided to look to see what their hours were on Facebook. And Facebook, of course, has Facebook Messenger. And there was a little symbol next to the beer store's uh, Facebook page that said, sends a message and usually responds within 20 minutes. So I said, okay, well, I'll send a message and finish my meal and see what happens. And I sent him a message and he responded almost immediately. And of course, it was a person that was on the other end of that. And when I was thinking about it, I was thinking, wow, you know, if chatbot technology was a little further along, I would be interacting with a program as opposed to a person. And in interacting with that program, it could have searched the in uh, the inventory uh, told me that the beer was in fact in stock and allowed me to purchase it right there through the chatbot itself, as opposed to ever leaving, going to some e-commerce site or actually, you know, taking a trip to the store to talk to somebody. Um, so e-commerce is one area where I think there is a lot of uh, use cases for technology such as this. Obviously, we've seen a lot when it comes to customer service, both good and bad. There are some good chatbots and some bad chatbots in customer service um, on websites today. But with e-commerce in particular, especially with rich card formats and other technologies that are incorporated inside of chatbots, as long as you can get the dialogue management working correctly, you can actually get to the point to where you can create a solid experience when it comes to commerce to walk people through the purchasing process. Um, in my particular field, when it comes to education, we want to use chatbots to be able to educate and, and provide knowledge and provide information to students so that they can get the things that they need as fast as possible rather than working in a bunch of disparate applications. So I think we're on the cusp of seeing, seeing some really good um, use cases start to emerge. There's not a killer app yet. So a lot of people, every, you know, most common people or everyday people don't probably have chatbots installed on their phone, whether Skype or Microsoft Teams or Facebook Messenger, but they're at least familiar with what it is. And I think everybody's kind of waiting for us to, to get pushed over that edge and, and find that killer app. For TikTok with Rishi, we actually use a chatbot as well in our Facebook Messenger page. So it is becoming really easy for businesses to have chatbots in their services, I think. You mentioned that there is the Microsoft Bot Framework. Can you tell us a bit about how chatbots and the Microsoft Bot Framework implement natural language processing? Sure. The, the Microsoft Bot Framework is rather interesting. It's gone through several iterations. Um, it started off as an internal project at Microsoft, and they, they used it enough that they decided to release it to, to the public. And what it basically is, is a, 
a framework that allows you to create a chatbot that interfaces with many other services. And they'd like to refer to those services as channels. So of course, Slack, Microsoft Teams, Skype, Facebook Messenger, Twilio, the text messaging service. What this framework allows you to do is actually create your chatbot in a single service or in a single application and deploy it to multiple channels so that it could be available across many different domains. And so the bot framework itself is kind of like a dialogue management. It allows you to create a certain flow, a conversational user experience or conversational application that allows you to interact with a, you know, a person. And in doing that, you're receiving messages from that person and you have to be able to parse that message and really kind of know what their intention is. You can do it through almost like a choose your own adventure dialogue management where you prompt that individual and then you receive information and you act on that information that you received. Or you could try to do it with regular expressions, which, of course, if the conversation and the point of the bot is is too um, all encompassing, you can quickly get lost in the regular expressions. So one of the things to use is actually natural language processing. And you can plug any natural language processing into the chat bot. Um, you could even go as far as using some of Raza's natural language processing. But Microsoft kind of pushes you towards Microsoft technologies. And of course, they have their language understanding intelligence service, also known as Lewis. And this is uh, an online application. It's part of their cognitive services suite, which is inside the Azure portal. And it allows you to put basically to define a bunch of intents. Um, and within those intents, you might create one um, as far as, you know, I want to order some ice cream, right? So, so you want to buy something. So you might have an intent for buying. And within that intent, you create a bunch of utterances. So you're, you're basically filling the Lewis application with some phrases. And you might type in, I want to buy ice cream. I want to buy, you know, candy. I want to buy coffee. And you put a bunch of different phrases in there and then you highlight certain terms. So clearly, if we wanted somebody to purchase anything, not just ice cream, uh, we would hover over in, in the Lewis application, we would hover over the word ice cream and we would select it and we'd say, this is an entity. Um, so we convert that to an entity. So what you basically have when you finish your Lewis application is you have a bunch of intents you have a bunch of entity or a bunch of utterances to train those intents, and then you have defined a bunch of entities that are basically variable information that you need to act upon. So when it comes to chatbots and the bot framework, you can integrate Lewis pretty easily. It's about maybe five lines of code. You register your service, you push your keys over, and then you create what's called a Lewis recognizer. And you when you receive this. In, you know, a chat from a user, maybe the user types in, I want to order a pizza. What you end up doing is you take that phrase that they sent you and you push that phrase over to Lewis. Lewis will then process it. And then once Lewis is done processing it, you'll, your bot will get a response back that basically gives the top intent that it finds, in this case, ordering something. And it'll give you in order of significance, all of the other intents in case you needed to act upon a different one. And then at the tail end of this structure, and this is this model that gets returned, this is a JSON structure. If you're familiar with JavaScript or with Python, you're pretty familiar with what the JSON structure looks like. At the tail end of it, you'll get a list of entities. And in that entity, it might say ice cream, uh, because we know that that was the thing that 
we wanted to order or pizza because that was a thing that we wanted to order. So basically you still have to act upon the data that gets returned from Lewis, but Lewis will at least tell you that, Hey, somebody wants to order something and what do they want to order? Well, they want to order a pizza or they want to order ice cream. And then your bot can then go find that within your inventory and perform the appropriate action. Maybe it returns a rich card that shows a photo of the pizza and says, are you sure? And you can click on the button to buy it. So it works rather well together and it's pretty easy to integrate. Honestly, when it comes to building out chatbots, you want to be able to concentrate everything on building out that dialogue management to appropriately create a conversational piece of software and then offload all of the natural language processing to Lewis. That way you don't have to write all of that from scratch. Does Lewis or rather the Microsoft bot framework store data of the user because there are concerns such as the GDPR, how chatbot address this concern of GDPR? So anything that's actually uh, in Azure or is a Microsoft product does have GDPR protection. Um, so for example, Skype for Business, if you requested to have all of your information, this is actually an exchange request since it's a part of their exchange offering. Um, and then obviously for Skype and Microsoft Teams, much of the same. The important thing to remember when it comes to something like GDPR and a chatbot is that you're going to want to make the request to the service itself Slack, so whatever channel you deployed it to, if you had a Slack bot, you would need to make that request to Slack. If you had a Skype bot, you would need to make that request to Skype. But then you're also going, going to want to have to make the request to the individual app developer. Um, so for example, if I've created a chat bot and you've downloaded it and it's available on Skype and suddenly you want to clear out all of your data, it could be that Skype itself is keeping some of those messages, which obviously it does. Um, but also I could be recording messages about you as well. So it's, 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 it's almost a, a double-edged sword there. So one of the important considerations when it comes to your own protection and GDPR is it's not just about the, the channel that you're on, but also the, the application that you're using. So you'd have to request that information from both of them. But Azure obviously is fully compliant. You just need, need to make sure that the individual bot that you are using is also compliant. And most of these bots, in order to get into the Skype directory or the Facebook Messenger directory, you have to have a privacy policy and a terms of service page. And when you pull up that bot, when you're when you're searching for it before you install it, it'll have links to those. So you're going to want to check those links to make sure that they have a statement on GDPR or that they have a way to basically allow you to request that information. You mentioned about a catch being that we have to be careful with third party tools when, for example, I'm integrating the Microsoft bot with Facebook Messenger, I have to know policy of Facebook, right? Yeah, because generally an end user is, they're going to not know the difference between a chat bot that's developed separately and just is hosted on top of the, you know, the Facebook platform and Facebook itself. So I think most people, when they interact with a chat message on Facebook, are going to assume that that GDPR exists solely with Facebook and not with the actual bot or app developer. Um, we run into the same problems you know, virtually everywhere. You know, just look at all of the. Um, all of the apps that used to be developed for Facebook that people thought were were little games that you could play or uh, little surveys or whatever, and it was recording a lot of your information once you enabled that app, um, and they were saving your information locally and you know selling it off places. So there's very much a change management involved with making sure that um, 
end users understand that when you interact with the bot, it's not just the platform that you're on, but also the bot itself. Um, same thing with voice enabled um, devices. So something like Alexa or Siri or Cortana, that's the platform, that's the personal digital assistant. But a lot of the individual skills are developed by other people and put into you know, the Alexa skill store or the, the Cortana store. Um, so those are third-party applications, even though they're built on top of that service, just like a chatbot is. So you can request your information from you know, Microsoft Azure or from Facebook, but you're also going to want to make sure in the case of GDPR that you make that request to the individual company that owns that bot or that skill. Let's say I have a website already or as a, an application which is allowing for passing of messages. Let's say it is a chat room. So can I integrate the Microsoft bot framework into my own application? No, I mean, you can, you can host, you can use a bot framework and host it offline. Um, the bot framework basically a- acts like a um, translation layer. And so what you're sending is you're sending JSON to a to bot framework website to a, to a REST basically call. And that translates that JSON structure to the JSON structure needed for, for Skype or for Facebook Messenger. So it acts like a translation layer. So if you were to do an, kind of an offline support, piece, you basically want to be able to pull your thing offline and intercept those messages. So for example, you could create a console bot. And uh, as part of the bot builder community, we've created an adapter for this and that exists solely offline, but then you have to handle those messages yourself inside of the adapter. So in the case of a website, if you have like a chat component, you can interface with your chatbot, whether through such an adapter that you've created on your own or through the direct line API uh, in order to perform operations on it. Mostly what I see is I see people replacing, say, their frequently asked questions or their search box with a chatbot, and they just take the the frequently asked questions and the knowledge base information and they upload it into what's called Q&A Maker which is a cognitive service from Microsoft that kind of acts as a, as a no-code chatbot solution. And once you get all that stuff up in Q&A Maker, you can then take uh, the embed code, which is available when you deploy to channels. You take that embed code and you put it on your website and it adds a nice little chat component into your, your website or web application. Let's say a developer want, want to use chatbots and particularly want to use the Microsoft bot framework. What skills should the developer have? So when it comes to the bot framework, there are two very mature SDKs. Um, One of them is in C-sharp, so it's the .NET SDK. And then the other one is in JavaScript, so it's a Node.js SDK. I primarily write in TypeScript, so I use the the JavaScript Node.js SDK for developing chatbots. There are also SDKs in both uh, Java and uh, Python. My recommendation is that if you are looking for a full breadth of um, knowledge in dealing with cognitive services or dealing with natural language processing, data science, machine learning, and chatbots, pick either Python or JavaScript. Um, Python obviously is is the big language of choice for most data science stuff, um, but JavaScript is kind of shortly beyond you know, just just below it on its heels, considering you know TensorFlow JS and some of these other applications. Um, so that would be my recommendation: would be to uh, fluently learn either JavaScript or Python. 
um, to get started. It's easy to get started with JavaScript. Integrating with Lewis is pretty easy because there are SDKs, again, for Python and there are SDKs for uh, JavaScript. So with most um, of at least the Azure cognitive services, you're going to find SDKs in whatever language um, you choose. So you'll typically be able to find it in C examples in C sharp in JavaScript or in Python. Um, and you'll be able to find examples and SDKs and you won't really be writing a whole lot of things from scratch. Now that's in the Azure environment. If you wanted to kind of move outside of that, um, you're probably going to want to have to uh, invest in, in knowledge in Python because some of the other chatbot technologies out there, for example, um, Raza, which I mentioned earlier, that's primarily written in Python. Although some of the other chatbot technologies like BotKit and uh, a few of those, they're actually written in, in JavaScript as well, or at least they have a JavaScript SDK. Um, so as far as skill set goes, I mean, you should have a general understanding of how natural language processing works. You don't have to go in depth about it, but just understanding features and, and labels and, and what you're really looking for when you look for term frequency. Um, that'll at least give you a general understanding of how um, something like a natural language processor works, but integrating with it is usually pretty simple. You send it your information and it sends you back a top intent and whatever entities you find. And then it, then after that, it's really just a matter of understanding how conversational software works. That's probably the hardest skill because getting a bot to work correctly is difficult. I've seen a lot of uh, chatbots from good companies where the chatbot does not, it's not as effective as the smartphone app or the web application. So if you're going to actually build a chatbot, you have to make sure that it's better than something that's already out there. You don't want to build a chatbot where it takes more steps than the smartphone app does or than the web application does because if it takes more steps to do it in the chatbot, nobody's going to use your chatbot. So understanding how to appropriately stagger your flow of dialogues um, is something that you really have to work towards. And Microsoft has a pretty good technology. It's called ChatDown. And ChatDown is basically a way to use a Markdown style language to prototype out conversations. And so you, you write it out almost like designing your chats and then you run it through ChatDown, which does a conversion, and then you can load it up into their bot emulator. When you load it up into their bot emulator, it'll it'll basically replay that conversation for you. So so you'll be able to see kind of does this flow correctly? You know what does this look like? Maybe take it to a couple of usability experts and ask them whether or not this works. Um, so at least there's some tooling out there that'll help you design how your chatbot should flow. And that's the hardest part. The rest is just picking a language like Python or JavaScript and going all in on it, learning the SDK, and then kind of understanding how NLP works, at least from a higher level. Can you tell me what are your likes and what are your dislikes about the bot framework and Luis? I really, especially when it comes to the JavaScript SDK, I like the fast prototyping. Um, and I love the tooling around it. I got in pretty quickly on the tooling when Microsoft announced the, the version four of the SDK. I actually contributed some code to the repository. Um, and there's a lot of good tooling involved in that, which really helps you spec everything out. I do like that they are attempting to write once run anywhere as far as creating a bot and then pushing it through to the to the different channels. I wish there were a few more channels available. A lot of them seem to be very Microsoft focused. I'm, I'm assuming that it's pretty hard to get other people on board or at least to provide that translation layer. 
considering that it's a newer technology, the SDK one was vastly different than version three, than version four. So I've had to consistently update um, any chatbots that I have, uh, and there's been a lot of breaking changes uh, in the past. So I, I really hope that the maturity level of the the SDK and the technology has reached a point to where that that won't be the case. Um, and then some of the, I mean, if you're going to deploy your chatbot directly to Azure, it's going to be easy. But if you want to do something different and you want to deploy it locally, or you want to you want a chatbot that you can host on AWS using Microsoft technology, it's a little more difficult. So you so you get the convenience when you're going through Azure. Um, you don't get the convenience when you go somewhere else, and you're going to have to do a leg a little bit of legwork yourself. In all, though, I think that one of the things that really needs to to be focused on is building out a truly useful chatbot. So technology-wise, I think we're pretty close. I mean, there are also personality filters out there where your chatbot can act like, you know, a, 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 a teenager or use the language of, of different different generations. So technology for NLP is advancing. Technology for personality is advancing. That's actually based on a recurrent neural network. And we have the ability to manage dialogues. We're just having a difficult time really putting together that killer app uh, because we're trying to build out something useful. Some of it's generational, some of it's, you know, not. So when it comes to likes and dislikes, I mean, I'm very happy with the way technology has been advancing. I just don't think we're there yet. Um, documentation sh could always be better. Um, but the pace at which we're advancing has left a lot of broken changes by the wayside, which forces us to do constant updates. You also mentioned about personality filters. There is also emotion detection. Is that something that can be included as well? Almost everything can be included in the bot framework. They have this concept of middleware uh, where you can basically pass the message that the user is sending through a middleware component. And then when your your bot is sending a message back, you can you can actually send that. So for example, say semantics, I want to know whether this statement is positive or negative. You can actually run that through a middleware component, which uses the semantics, um, it uses the text analytics API on cognitive services to basically determine um, what the uh, uh, what the value of it uh, is as far as whether it's positive or negative. And then it passes that information through that filter so that when you go and access it as a bot, you not only know the statement that the user makes, but you'll be able to know the score on whether or not it was positive or negative. And you can do the same thing on a lot of other you do the same thing on a lot of the other components. So for example, I mentioned the bot builder community, you actually go to github.com and search for the bot builder community. We have um, C sharp and JavaScript components. And what you'll end up seeing is there are a handful of uh, middleware components that we've created for things like processing different language uh, components. So for example, I'm going to pull one up real quick and I'll, I'll be able to, to explain it a little more in detail. On the JavaScript side, you can have spell check middleware or text analytics middleware, such as uh, sentiment analysis, which we were just talking about, language detection, or parsing out key phrases. So for all of these other kind of AI components that you might want to recognize, and this could even happen um, for uploading an image, you can accept uploaded images within a chatbot. You can actually have a middleware component that intercepts that image, sends it through, say, facial recognition, and then by the time it gets to your bot, 
the bot not only has the image to do something with it, but you can actually send back whatever information you found, you know, through some face API. Um, so as far as the way chatbots are built, and not a lot of other chatbots are like this, but the way Microsoft built the bot framework is they very much kind of took it as almost a Russian doll approach where messages that come in get wrapped in middleware and you, you can be using multiple middleware within your bot and then it processes it first and last out and then it gets to the center of kind of your chat bot where you get to process that message. And when it goes back to the user, it goes through those components and it's very simple to do. All you have to do is at the very beginning of your chat bot, you create an instance of that middleware. You then say adapter.use and you pass that middleware into it. And then from that point forward, anytime the adapter, which is your main kind of processing of all text that comes in, that adapter, anytime a message comes in, will then automatically pass it through the middleware, and then you will receive the message, and usually all of the information will end up on what's called the, every message has a context, and so it'll end up on the turn state within that context, and you'll be able to check something like sentiment score, or language, or facial recognition, all depending on how the middleware is implemented. So it's extremely easy and assuming that somebody else has implemented the middleware, even if you created it yourself, integrating it is only going to be a couple of lines of code. That adds a lot of power. This is one of the ways that the Microsoft bot framework stands out of the other chatbots. I've been using some chatbots in the past, including Natchbot, IBM Watson, and many more. But there was a obvious lack of integration when I wanted to integrate my own tools, for example, I wanted to integrate a form uploading function that was lacking at the time. So with the bot community inserting new uh, middlewares, I think this would be really helpful for chatbot developers. Yeah, and I, I think the important part of this, um, and this is always something that I try to stress, is that the chatbot component should be the way in which you handle the dialogues. How do you handle the conversation? How do you handle the conversation, and how does that conversation flow? If your chatbot logic is filled with your attempts to implement some other sort of cognitive service or some other sort of AI, it really kind of clutters up your application. Um, so, if instead we're able to move that out into a middleware component that uh, once used automatically processes incoming and outbound messages using that middleware in a very um, in a very specific way in a very standards compliant way it allows you to focus the actual bot logic that you're creating on how to handle that flow and that's the difference between creating a, a well-designed chatbot versus a poorly designed chatbot proper uh, conversational maintenance, proper um, management of dialogues. So I agree with you completely. I think the way in which they handle the middleware components, and this is a somewhat newer change with the SDK version 4, but I think that's a real game changer for chatbot development. You provided some great insights. Is there any links that you want me to share on the podcast video or audio? Definitely the uh, the github.com slash botbuilder community org uh, because there's a lot of value in what the community has been building out. And then anybody who wants to, to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter at Zool, S-Z-U-L. And then any other links you can just find off of that Twitter account. You are welcome to 
be on the podcast when you want. You just contact me again and we can have another talk. All right. Sounds great.